If you're new around here, first of all, welcome. If you don't know me, my name is Tim. I have the privilege of pastoring here at Life Community. And we just wrapped up 50-some weeks going through the book of Luke. We took some good breaks in there, but it's been like a year and eight months. So I'm actually really excited to dive into a new subject here today. And uh, we'll get back to some verse-by-verse stuff maybe later in the year or the first part of next year. But this fall, we've got some great stuff coming up. And uh, we're going to be looking at some dumb things that smart Christians believe a little later. And then uh, spending a few weeks talking on the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Really excited about that. I think God's going to really move on some hearts during that time. And so we've got some great stuff coming up this fall. Also, construction's continuing, as you can tell. This week they got um, the floor all the way back through the hallways. And and our our plan, uh, we think about one more month we'll be done with all the major stuff. And that's good news for our volunteer crew that comes out uh, four to six on Fridays because the mopping will cease. The mopping will cease. We keep telling ourselves that. Uh, and so we're excited about that. We're excited about what God's, what we believe God is going to do in the church as we head into the fall. And um, October 5th and 6th, what we are planning on that weekend is we're going to send out mailers uh, to everybody that lives around here, and it's a great chance for people who haven't connected to church yet uh, to come and uh, find a church home. A great time to invite some people. Actually, now is a great time to invite your family, your friends. Every weekend is a great time to invite people uh, here. But that weekend, we're going to do kind of a grand reopening. We're going to have an open house. And on Sunday night, we're going to host a a night of worship here and just have a blast. And the main reason is just to thank God for what he's allowed us to do, for what he's allowed us to to accomplish and kind of commission the new space. Because if you just, this is your first week here, you have no idea. This was a hardware store and now it feels more like a church. And we want to commission this space and, uh, and just dedicate it to the Lord uh, that it would be used for his purposes and to reach lives all over this valley and all over the world. And so we'd love to have you mark that on your calendars, October 5th and 6th, and make some plans to be here for that. But today we are starting a short three or four week series on making wise choices and four and a half years ago, we did a, a short series on wisdom, and I shared what I think is one of the most practical and helpful questions that you can ask in your life. And this is something that I think we need to be reminded of often, because it often slips off the radar as we hit new seasons of life. And so we're going to talk about that. I'm going to take those, that short series we did and kind of expand it and, uh, and reapply it in some different ways over the next few weeks. And I think um, you'll find this content very helpful. You know, something we all share in life is that life is a series of choices, right? And, and when we're in the midst of making a choice, we often don't know what the impact it'll have on our lives, um, I remember being uh, in my early 20s, and I was working on um, becoming a rock and roll star. You know, a Christian one, but a rock and roll star, come on. And uh, no, actually, I was pursuing music, and, you know, I, and so I was recording an album, and there's this nice guy over in Denver, he let me hang out in his spare bedroom for like three or four months, 
And then I traded some construction work for hours in this recording studio. And I would be there every day and stay there. I'd do some, you know, painting or drywalling. And then in the evening, I would record and get done like two, three in the morning. And I had an absolute blast and made a really good record. And uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun. Um, but during that time, there was no money coming in. You know, starving artist. Except I didn't starve. I had this little piece of plastic in my wallet, and it was very helpful. And I discovered I really like subs, Subway sandwiches, and Chipotle burritos. And so every night I would go get either a sub or a Chipotle burrito, and I'd just pull out that little piece of plastic, and, and we were good. And then, of course, you, you, know, you had to put gas. I, I had this big old diesel Suburban, and it took a ton of gas. It was like in 1985. Uh, yeah. Uh, another story, I won't tell you that story. One time I had to drive it across the Mojave Desert with no air conditioning. Not, not cool. Anyway, uh, so that took a lot of money, too, to keep gas in this thing, right? And so before you know it, then there are all kinds of little incidental um, expenses. And before you know it, my little plan of financing my album and my music career on a credit card uh, added up to some pretty serious debt. It's amazing how much just those little things, right? You don't think about it. One thing here, one thing there. It's not a big deal. It's just a burrito. Come on, right? And before you know it, there's thousands of dollars in debt. Now, here's the thing. That decision, those compounded decisions were not sinful. It it was not, I don't believe, it was sinful to do that. I mean, it was the burrito, right? I needed to eat. I was a starving artist. skinnier then than I am now, uh, significantly. Um, So I needed to eat, but it it wasn't sinful, but the thing was, it was unwise. It was unwise. And it really took me all the way into my 30s, my mid-30s, to finally get rid of that dumb debt that I had put on my credit card trying to finance a dream at that point in a very unwise way. Some of you, I see heads nodding. Some of you can identify. Some of you are in the process of digging out of the same thing right now. And you know that. Now, you know, sometimes in life, the stakes are much more high. In fact, often they're much more high than just pain and having to dig out of some credit card debt, right? Uh, Anybody remember the movie Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? 1989, Steven Spielberg. For young people, if you're like a teenager in the room, get your parents to watch this with you because it's awesome. You know, you'll like it. Trust me. Hopefully. I don't know. Maybe it's nerdy. I, I don't know. But it's a really fun show. And it's all about searching for the Holy Grail, which is, you know, supposedly the, the, the chalice or the cup that uh, Jesus drank out of at the Last Supper. And supposedly it has all these supernatural, magical powers, right? If you can just find it, it'll give you eternal life. And so Indy is searching for the, la- for the Holy Grail, and so are the Nazis. And they're all trying to find it, right? And they kind of all um, make it to this place where the whole, where these Holy Grail is all at the same time. And so there's this Nazi dude, and then there's Indy, and they're in here, and you know, the one guy's got a gun. Anyway, so there's this old knight, and he's got this long hair because he's been there for like 2,000 years guarding this place, you know, and he tells Indy, uh, actually this Nazi guy, because he's the first in line, uh, you must choose, remember? Choose what? Choose wisely, 
right? You must choose wisely. Because the same cup that, you know, if you get the right one, will give you life. If you choose the wrong one, it will bring you death. And so the Nazi guy basically chooses the fanciest, shiniest, sparkliest, biggest cup, right? And he's like, this must be the one. And he drinks, and then it's awesome, this like cheesy 80s, you know, it's, it's not modern day effects, you know, but it's cool. This guy like shrivels into a mummy, you know, right in front of there. It's, it's, it's awful. Um, it's so cheesy. And then the guy, the dude looks over and goes, he chose poorly. It's awesome. And then Indy chooses and he chooses wisely. And, you know, the story goes good. Um, but the point is, we would be more careful about choices in life if they had that dire of consequence, wouldn't we? We will be much more careful. And you know, the thing is, consequences often do have that dire of consequences. They just don't show themselves until further down the road in life. You know, no one plans to make a train wreck out of their life. I bet you have some family members, some friends, maybe you're in a place right now where, where, where you look back and you go, man, my life's a train wreck. No, nobody chooses, nobody plans to make a train wreck out of their life. The problem is they just don't plan not to. They're not careful not to. And oftentimes it's, it's an accumulation of unwise choices that leads you to end up in a place that you never thought you'd be in life. There's an Australian author, best-selling author, that says this, we make our decisions, then our decisions turn around and make us. And some of you have experienced the brunt of that in life. And the thing is, we, we, don't, often, we don't always start off by making just wrong choices. I mean, I bet you had experiences in life where you would say you made choices, kind of like my credit card. I wouldn't say it's wrong or sinful, you know, to charge this burrito on here. It just wasn't very wise, Right? You don't always start off making overtly wrong choices. Oftentimes, we start out by just making unwise choices. Staying a little late at the office, you know, at the same time as, as she does, you know. That, that flirtatious little reply, it wasn't wrong to send back that little, you know, Facebook thing. It wasn't sinful. And before you know it, one unwise choice adds up to another unwise choice, and you find yourself with regret and heartache, perhaps a broken marriage, perhaps in front of a judge, perhaps in jail, maybe having to ride your bike to work and not because you'd like to. I mean, I know there's some of you weird ones in here. You're like, I ride my bike to work every day. <laughs> I should. I live like 90 seconds away, and I don't. I'm not saying that kind of like ride your bike to work. I'm talking about, you know, you wish you could drive your car, but you can't. You got to ride your bike to work, right? It was unwise choices that led you there, right? Nobody plans to derail their life, but they often fail to plan not to. And here's the thing about wisdom as we talk about making wise choices. Learning to apply wisdom in your life is a plan not to. It's a plan not to. And so today we're going to introduce a question that will um, serve as a framework or a grid to help us make better decisions in life and to help us live more wisely. And over the next few weeks, we're going to apply this question to our lives in a couple different 
critical areas. But before we get this, to this question, I got to introduce you to the guy who gives us the setting and the framework for this question. And this guy is pretty famous. He's the third king of the nation of Israel. This is, he, he writes what we're about to read 970 years or so before Jesus was born. That's when he becomes king. He's the son of the most famous king of Israel, a guy named David. And you've heard of this guy before. His name is Solomon. And here's how his story begins in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5. It says that Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. This is right after he is crowned as king. And God said, ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, you have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father, although I am but a little child. Check this out. I, I do not know how to go out or come in. And one of the first steps in wisdom is realizing that there are things you don't know. Especially young people. Listen up. Got some new ninth graders in the room probably. You know, you're going in, right? In, into high school. There, there's lots of things you don't know. And humility is admitting that. And I don't know why, but it seems like the older you get, the easier it is to admit that. Anybody else identify with that? It's like you just keep discovering that the, the, the quantity of, of things you don't know are far more than the quantity of things you do know. And so it goes on to say this in verse 8. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? And it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. He asked for wisdom. And God said to him, because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right. Behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before you and none like you shall arise after you. He says, there's, no, there, there's nobody before you or after you that's going to be like you. That's why when we talk about Solomon, we say that he is, Solomon is the wisest guy that ever lived besides Jesus. Yeah. But I don't think that really counts in the equation, right? Kind of God in a bod, you know, that whole thing. But as far as just dudes, never been anybody like this guy. Never been anyone with his wisdom and his understanding. Verse 13, I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. So check this out. He asked for the right thing, and then Solomon hits the jackpot. He not only gets the thing he asked for, wisdom, 
He, he not only gets the thing he asked for, he gets riches and honor as well. And there's an author of a book uh, named Bob Merritt. He wrote a book called Get Wise. He says this, those who pursue wisdom usually get life thrown in. Those who pursue wealth often end up with little or nothing. That's really insightful, isn't it? And see, here's what happened in Solomon's case. Solomon's wisdom blessed the nation of Israel in incredible ways. See, when, when, when somebody is wise, it not only benefits themselves, it benefits everybody around. He, he had extensive building projects. There was a vast construction of the temple, the palace, and, and the fortifications. He gave job to, jobs to 70,000 laborers, 80,000 stonecutters, 3,300 job foremen. He had peaceful trade relations all around. He built a massive fleet of ships on the Mediterranean Sea, and they would go out and they would gather goods from all over. In fact, um, once a year, he would receive a gift of gold from Africa that weighed 25 tons. I know, imagine that, right? I mean, you just can't even fathom this. Huge, lucrative mining industry with a refinery on the, on the shore of the Red Sea. He exported all these things, right? He, he built up an incredible military machine. He had a steady flow of taxes and revenue, and Jerusalem under Solomon's reign just flourished. Life was good for the people there. And Bob Merritt also, he, he says this, when a nation, city, school, family, or marriage is led by a wise person, everyone wins. Everyone wins. See, wisdom is critical for our lives. Living with wisdom is critical. And Solomon actually, he writes about wisdom. I mean, you think the guy knows something about it after all this, right? And he writes, and, and he wants, when he writes about it, he wants to impress upon us how critical it is to pursue wisdom in life. How critical it is to make wise choices and wise decisions. Here's what he says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 13. He says, Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. Let me ask you a question. How many of you would like a little more peace in your lives? Yeah. All right. He says, get wisdom. Get wisdom. Proverbs 4, 7. Get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Cherish her, and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will give you a garland to grace your head and present you a glorious crown. Listen, my son. Listen, my son. Accept what I say and the years of your life will be many. I instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. Hold on to instruction. Do not let it go. Guard it well, for it is your life. 
He says, this is how critical this whole wisdom thing is. This is how critical. And you see, what, wisdom is different than just knowledge. You know this because you know some incredibly smart people that are incredibly unwise, don't you? Yeah. And you've seen their wives and you've gone, what are you thinking? You know better than that. Man. They're smart, but they don't have wisdom. So it's not just being well-educated, getting knowledge about things. Wisdom is really discerning and understanding how God actually made things to be. How God, what God actually, how God actually created and designed the universe. In fact, in another spot, Solomon says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When you have this awe and reverence of God and this incredible respect for God, so that you begin to dig in and, and try to determine how did you actually make things to be. So wisdom is understanding the way God created the universe to work and then aligning your life with that. Don't miss next week because we're going to really dig into this a little bit more. And so here's the question that I think will be very helpful to you. And it's very simple, kind of basic. But let me tell you, if you begin to ask this question in many different areas of your life, it's going to be powerful. And, and here's the question to ask. What's the wise choice for me? What's the wise choice for me? In fact, I can tell you're not real, you know, you're like, oh, okay, that's kind of basic. I, I could have figured, I could have written that one, right? <laughs> I didn't make this question up, okay? I'll just tell you. I, that's not that profound. Well, we'll go on and I'll show you how this is profound. But before we do that, since you're you need some convincing. I want you to repeat it aloud because that always helps. Ready? So let's do this. What's the wise choice for me? Okay, one more time with gusto. Here we go. What's the wise choice for me? And see, here's the thing about this question. Even though it doesn't seem like, you know, that profound of a question, really, this is an incredibly powerful question. And in fact, in so many situations, this is a much better question to ask than just what's the right thing to do. What's the right thing to do? Because what, what we've seen and what, I mean, you've seen this probably in some of your friends' life, that it's a series of unwise choices that usually lead to terrible, wrong choices. It was a series of unwise choices. Like if you pinned them down on it, you, they'd go, well, this, wasn't, this isn't a sin. It's not wrong. And you'd be like, well, okay, yeah, the Bible, I guess you're, you're, you're right, but just I know you and this is unwise. I don't, I don't think you should be doing this. This is unwise. And one unwise decision led to another unwise decision led to another one. And before you know it, they found themselves in a situation that blew up their life. They're a train wreck, right? And so this is oftentimes can be a more helpful question, a more powerful question to ask than to simply ask, well, is this right or wrong? Because the truth is, now, you need to learn Scripture, go to Scripture, determine what Scripture says, and align your life to that. That is wisdom, right? But sometimes, isn't a lot of life sometimes a little gray? A lot of, a lot of decisions that we make in life are kind of gray, and I bet you've talked yourself into decisions and said it isn't wrong, and you've talked yourself into a decision you really regret because you didn't stop to ask this question, well, is it wise? Maybe it wasn't a sin. You know, maybe that date wasn't a sin. Maybe, maybe going out on this thing wasn't a sin, but 
it sure wasn't wise, right? Maybe when I ran that credit card, it, it wasn't wrong. It wasn't a sin. But boy, oh boy, it wasn't very wise to keep doing, right? And that's why this is such a good question to ask. You know, how many of you like, um, like driving over Red Mountain Pass? So I like doing this thing, and I think it probably makes me a horrible person, but I like getting, starting to drive up the pass, and then I look over at my wife with kind of the uh, mischievous grin and go, hey, uh, should I get a little closer so you can see a little better? Every time she freaks out. And I don't actually do it because I'm a scared. I, it freaks me out going over there, right? But here's the thing. So many times in life when we just filter things through the grid of, well, this really isn't wrong. This isn't black and white. You know, this isn't black and white wrong. We're asking the wrong question. Basically what we're asking, and some of you have been in uh, dating relationships. Some of you are right now, and you've asked the question, how far is too far? How close can I get to the line? See, that's the wrong question to ask because that question will lead you to heartache, not bring you to a place of peace in life later. That, that question will lead you to regret because even if you, you look at, you know, okay, well, I don't think this is actually, a, there's no black and white command in Scripture. This isn't actually a sin. No, but it's not very wise. And if you keep riding that line, Chances are you're going to make a decision that brings you to a place you wish you never were. Heartache, maybe an unplanned pregnancy, right? Some of you, you have family members. Some of you, if you looked at your story, this would be it. So we started out by saying that no one in life plans to derail their life. They just don't plan not to. And I think if Solomon and all his wisdom were to sit down and we'd have a little small group huddle and he'd sit on a stool here, I think he would say, if you, if you actually started asking this life question and applying it to different situations in your life, this is your plan not to derail your life. This will help you. It'll be very helpful. And here's the thing. This question is so helpful. Whether or not you are a committed follower of Jesus, whether or not you're a follower of Jesus at all, if you begin to apply this question to your life, it will be helpful for you. It will make your life better. But let me say, if you're here and you are a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus and you're committed to that, this is a critical question for you to ask. In fact, the apostle Paul, the guy who wrote half of the New Testament, He's writing to a bunch of churches in Ephesians, and, and this is what he says. He says this, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. So, so here's the thing. If you're not careful, if you don't have a plan to live wisely, you will naturally drift with the flow. You will naturally drift into making unwise, foolish decisions. Trust me. Can I hear amen from some older people in the room? Amen. Yeah, you know what we're talking about, right? That's the natural flow of culture. And he says, you, you gotta have a plan. You gotta be careful about it. You have to, to learn to live as wise, making the most of every opportunity because you don't have all the time in the world. Once, you, once you're once your 20s are gone, they're gone, right? Once your teenage years are gone, they're gone. You don't get those back. 
You make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. I think he's, what he's saying is the natural drift of culture is going to be to lead you down unwise paths which will bring you to sinful and wrong decisions that will derail your life, cause you great pain. And yes, there's forgiveness and there's grace. And sometimes God even takes away the consequences, or, but not always. And like I said, you don't get decades back, do you? And some of, the, some of your story, if we you know, did a little sharing thing here, would be if you could talk to people 10 or 20 years younger than you, you'd say, go back and make wise choices because here's how my unwise choices led to some terrible decisions. Here's how I lost a decade of my life where I wish I was following Jesus, where I wish I was there for my family. He says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And I love how Paul ties this together, wisdom with the Lord's will. Because oftentimes we think if I could just like get up to the mountains and this is, this is a great thing to do. But we think if I could just, you know, like become a monk and like sort of, then I would somehow discern the will of, of God and he goes, actually, the will of God is often very tied up in wisdom. Oftentimes, we are you know, praying about, God, what's the right thing to do? What's the right thing to do? When he's written it plainly. And now, let me tell you, I am all about you know, following the leading of the Holy Spirit, seeking and following the prompting of the Holy Spirit, asking God to speak to you and, and, and reveal to you different things he has for you in your life. I'm all about that, right? But sometimes we err on the side of only doing that and then we make unwise decisions. And the truth is the will of God always lines up with wisdom. And so you gotta seek it. You gotta be careful about it. You gotta discover the thoughts of the create, creator of the universe. One of the wisest things you can do is spend time in scripture because that's where you discover the thoughts of the creator of the universe. If you want to align your life and be wise, you're going to align your life with the way things actually are, not with the way you wish they were. That's wisdom, right? And so this, this question, what is the wise choice? What is the wise choice? It's so powerful. And so to help you apply this question better in your life, um, I want to look at it in three different ways that I think will help you apply it in different areas of your life. And uh, two great authors, Andy Stanley and Stuart Hall, wrote a book called The Seven Checkpoints. And they talk about these grids of looking at wisdom in your life. And here's my version. Here's how I'll sum that up for you because I think it's so helpful. When you ask this question, what's the wise choice for me? There's three different grids that you should run that through. You should run that through these three questions. And the first one is this. What's the wise choice for me when I'm honest with myself? When I'm honest with myself. And see, here's, here's the thing. If, if, you're, if, you, if you're not honest with yourself, I mean, if, if you're honest with anybody, you should be honest with yourself, right? I mean, you should be honest with everybody because we know that's what we're told to do. But so many times, we lie to ourselves. You tell yourself, well, it's just once. 
Well, it's not a big deal. Well, everybody's doing it. Well, it's not black or white. It's not really wrong, but it isn't wise. It isn't wise. And so many times we lie to ourselves, don't we? So one of those is when I'm honest with myself, when I'm honest about my past track record. What does my past track record show about this decision that I'm about ready to make? When I placed myself in that circumstance or that situation before, did that go well for me? You've heard this many times, probably the definition of insanity is doing the same thing the same way over and over again and expecting a different result, right? It's called lying to yourself, not being honest with yourself. When you're honest about your, your past track record or when you're honest about your weaknesses, I mean, we all have different things that what tempts you may not tempt me and what tempts me may not tempt you. And so I have my own set of weaknesses that I have to deal with, right? I have a night person and a morning person and the night person has two friends that morning person doesn't like. These two friends are named Ben and Jerry. (laughs) When I invite Ben and Jerry into my house, Night person comes out and bad things happen. I'm just saying, right? (laughs) When you're honest about your weaknesses, what what are your weaknesses? What are your weaknesses? And then the third part of this is when you're honest about your motives. Why am I really doing this? Why why am I wanting to go down this road? Why, Why am I wanting to go down, you know, respond to this messenger. I could just ignore that little question from her, from him. Why am I wanting to take that route down the hall at office, at the office? Right? Why am I wanting to, to stay in this dating relationship? One time I was in, years before I met my wife, I met this girl. I was out touring, you know. I was pretty cool because I was a musician, yeah. I just say, yeah, a rock star. <laughs> Come on, I was driving an 85 Suburban around, you know? It wasn't that cool. But anyway, I met this girl. And and the thing about long distance, and I'm not against long distance relationships. Sometimes they work out amazing. And sometimes people get to know each other. But one of the things is it lets you string out an otherwise bad relationship for a very long period of time. And at some point in this relationship, I realized I was lying to myself that the only reason I was still staying in this was because I had invested so much into it. And that was quite a realization for me. That I didn't even want to be there. But I was just staying because I, I put so many miles into driving to Wyoming and back. So many hours on the phone, you know. And some of you, you know, you're in a relationship and and there's something you want. Now, married people, we know what Scripture says, right? That you fight for it. That you're in it for the long haul. I'm not talking to married people here. I'm talking to people in dating relationships that maybe you know you're in a relationship that you're not supposed to be in or considering getting in one, and you're not being honest with yourself over it. So when I'm honest with myself, with my past track record, my weaknesses, my motives, or in my current season of life, 
when I'm honest with myself in my current season of life, maybe emotionally, maybe you just went through a bad breakup. Maybe there's been a death in your family and you know you're just raw right now. And it's not, it, maybe it's not a sin for you to jump into this thing over here, but man, it's not very wise. So to be honest about that, right? Or financially, with where you're at financially. It ain't wrong to buy a boat, man. Come on. Help me out here. I'm helping you out. Come on. It's not wrong to buy a boat, but, but let me tell you, there are, there are plenty of seasons in your life where it's very unwise, right? It's very unwise to put it on that credit card. It's not wrong to drive that $50,000 truck, but there are seasons of life where that would be a very unwise decision for you. And see, as you weigh these things, you know, in my current season of life, where am I right now? Relationally with my family, in the stage I'm at, with my family. Some of you need to turn down job opportunities and offers because the money isn't worth losing your family over. I remember about a year ago, I, when I missed our first Myanmar church planner training because it just wasn't right to go at that time. And I was trying to figure out how can I make it, it just wasn't working. It just wasn't right to go. Some of you, you have great opportunities coming along, but you really need to filter it through the grid of what, you know, okay, I say my family, you know, God, family, you know, and then the other things. But is that really the way I'm prioritizing right now in my current season of life? And then the third question is this, when I consider my future, my hopes, my dreams for the future, the things that matter most to me, the relationships in my life that matter most, the, what's the right thing to do? What's the wise choice? Let me just speak to ladies. Some of you, you have hopes and dreams to be married to a Christian man that shares your values. The choices you make right now will determine whether that happens or not. And I know it's hard being lonely. It's hard being lonely, but let me tell you, it's better to be lonely for a while now than to live with regret. And, and some, you know, I know, some of you, you're in relationships where, where, where one is not a believer. And the thing you do is you just stick in there. You pray for him. I had an aunt. She prayed for my uncle for years and years and years. And finally... He accepted Jesus. It's amazing. And he's this amazing follower of Jesus. There's always grace. But man, if you can, on the front side of things, make the wise decision and look at your future and say, what are my hopes? What are my dreams? What, what do I want to see for my family? Do I want my kids to want to actually come home and spend time with me? That, that'll determine some things, won't it? When I look at the things that matter most, or for, for followers of Jesus in the room, this should be one of the primary motivating factors. Is that someday you will stand in front of your Savior. I don't know about you, but I want to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to orient my life in such a way that I put his kingdom first, that I've sought him first. 
that I followed him first. And then I've done my, my finances and I've done my priorities according to that. Some of you, uh, let me just say, if you have a heart, when you look at your future, I think for a lot of parents in the room, your heart is, man, I just want my kids to love Jesus and to have a deep spiritual walk. And let me just, let me poke at you just a little bit. And I know this will poke at some people in the room just a little bit. But if, if during your child's formative years, you communicate to them that a ball or a sport is consistently more important than getting into regular fellowship? I'm just saying there's a good chance that's not going to happen. When you look at your dreams for the future, and you know, I'm not saying there's tournaments, right? Great. But when it's week after week after week, saying you got to stop. You got you to look at that. You got to ask, where are my priorities really at? And are my hopes for the future, my dreams for the future, are they in line with, with what I'm actually, the choices I'm making today? So what do you do with all this when you look at all these things and then you still don't know what the wise choice is? James, the brother of Jesus, said this. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. If any of you lacks wisdom. And some of you, you need wisdom in an area in your life right now. Some of you, you need to reorient your life. One thing we say around here a lot is life is for you, but not about you. And some of you have gotten that out of whack. And hopefully you realize that that's incongruent with your deepest hopes and dreams for, for life. And so some of you need to reorient you. Some of you need to pray and ask God for wisdom in a situation. And as we close, I just want to invite you to stand. You can seek wisdom through reading Scripture. Through seeking wise counsel, we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go through this series. But James says right here, some of you need to pray. As you're facing a decision or you're facing a series of decisions right now that you need his wisdom on. And so if that's you in the room, let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. I just want to invite you as we close just to stretch your hands out as a posture of I want to receive from you, God. I want wisdom. If you want more wisdom in your life, would you just stretch out your hands? Let me just pray over you. Father, I pray for each of those in the room that are facing decisions right now where they need an extra measure of wisdom in their life, Lord. Lord, would you just give them wisdom? Would you pour it out on them? Would you speak to them through your Holy Spirit? And Lord, for those in the room that are struggling because, because they've made some, some decisions in the past that they so regret, would you let them just experience the weight of your forgiveness and grace for them right now? That you love them. That there's a hope and a future for them.
Lord, thank you so much for, for all you've done for us, for the grace poured out on us in Jesus Christ. We pray these things in your name. Amen.